Welcome, everyone, to our podcast, Connections. I'm Michelle Prouse, and joining me today is... Spencer Prouse. Lynette Ellis. And Chad Ellis. And we are recording Conversations on the Couch. Ellis's, we're so excited to have you here. Spencer and I have been really looking forward to hearing some of your story, and we are super excited that we could make this work on a Sunday night. Lynette, you are the Relief Society president, so I'm going to turn the time over to you anyway, and I'm going to let you talk about a little bit about your family and introduce your handsome hubby who's here with us today, and I've, I know you have a very special story to tell us, and I'm, I'm just really excited. So, Lynette, go ahead. Okay, so we are, so Chad and Lynette Ellis, we, are, we grew up in Idaho Falls. We met actually in high school, but never dated. And then just a turn of events, about three weeks before I got home from my mission, he, or three weeks before I left on my mission, he got home from his and we reconnected. And then anyway, we ended up getting married after I got home. So we have six children. Four of them are married. We have four grandchildren. Our youngest son, Adam, is in the ward. And he will be leaving on a mission in the end of July to the Chile Concepcion mission. Well, we have three and a half grandkids. Oh, one. Oh, yes, now. one's not oh. quite born, but I count. I count her already. <laughs> She'll be born in July. I count her already. <laughs> so, so one kind of interesting thing about we our life has not taken an easy point A to point B path. We seem to like to go on adventures as we've um, been married. One thing that was. I mean, Chad might tell more about this, but he was an environmental engineer in the Air Force. And after four kids, almost five kids, he decided that we needed a career change. And so we actually went back to dental school with five children. And our sixth baby, Adam, was born as a graduation present for us. So, Which... We had to keep secret because we were in Texas and we already had five kids and uh, we were an anomaly (laughs) and I wasn't sure if that would affect graduation. So anyway, we just showed up with a little baby at graduation and it was, it was awesome. But, um, yeah, so my, um, so my background, I have a, I have a bachelor's degree in landscape architecture, actually from Utah State. And then I went on and got a master's degree in environmental engineering at Utah State. And then uh, served in the Air Force for about five years as an environmental engineer. And then just probably didn't do enough research to realize that I was going to be traveling all the time. There were some months mm-hmm. when I would leave. Uh, be gone for like up to three weeks in a month and and some of my deployments were like six months and so anyway it was just a hard time on our family and we decided to to uh sit down reevaluate and i decided to go back to school at 32 and five kids when we started school and anyway it was an adventure and our kids just uh were awesome through the whole thing um, one quick little thing, um, Matthew, our, our son was in kindergarten when I, um, was just starting dental school and he was sitting there and he realized, you know, you go first grade, second grade, third grade, and his whole life had, was just me going to school. And so one day he was like, so dad, what grade are you in? 
So we counted it up, and I was actually said, Matt, <laughs> I think I'm in 27th grade. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so that, uh, a lot of school, a lot of school debt, and and all that that comes along with it, but and an amazing journey, and it was a lot of fun. I absolutely love being a dentist, and one of the things that we have really enjoyed about being in this career field is Lynette is a huge part of the office. Um, she is there with me. Um, you know, I never thought about, I guess I didn't research dentistry all that well either, but I didn't realize it looks like I'm a polygamist wherever, wherever <laughs> we go as an office. We take the girls to lunch, but I always have Lynette with me when I'm, when I'm with all the girls and it's great. And half, half the office is related to me yeah. <laughs> and my sister and oh, my that's so daughters cool. and stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. But one of the things that we really love is that we've been able to do humanitarian trips. I think I have gone on um, probably around 10 humanitarian trips. We've gone to Peru. We've gone to Mexico. We've been to the Dominican Republic. And each time we've taken one of our kids on one of those trips, we felt that was kind of a goal that we had and we started on that was to take one each time. And then what we're part of what we're going to share tonight is a humanitarian trip that we took back to my mission in um, Micronesia in the truck islands. So, and I just want to say when I was trying to think of like, what, what do I want to share? You know, we've been interviewing all these amazing sisters in our ward. And I was thinking about, you know, what, what can I share that, means a lot to me that might be able to help someone. And this experience that we're going to share with you is probably one of the most treasured memories that we have as a married couple. And it gave us a little glimpse into what it will be like when we serve a mission together. Uh, we learned a lot, so much through this experience that we'll, we'll share with you. I love it. Thanks for being willing to share it with us and with the rest of the ward too. That's, that's fantastic. So I, I served a pretty unique mission. Um, so I served in, like, from 86 to 88. And I was called uh, serving the Micronesia Guam mission. And when I got my call, it said English speaking. And then shortly after, a letter came from the president that amended everything that was in there. And so just a little bit about the mission. It's headquartered in Guam. Uh, the size at that time, which has since become about three missions, I believe. But when I served, uh, from one end of the mission to the other was like from L.A. to New York. Wow. And oh, so okay. the size of the continental United States. and the, But the islands were really small. Micronesia, you know, Polynesia, like, you know, like many, many islands and stuff. But Micronesia, they're just really small islands, really spread apart. So if you took all those islands and you combined them together from our mission, they would fit in the Salt Lake Valley, but they were all spread across, you know, the size of the continental United States. Mm. Also in this letter, it said there, there's 11 different languages, even though your letter said English, um, you will learn the language when you get here. More than likely, you'll just be in the MTC, well, you'll be in the MTC for, for just the normal three weeks. And then when you get to Guam, you'll be assigned an area and you will be in that area your whole mission. And so there were only, in our whole mission, there might have been maybe 60 to 70 missionaries. But once you were assigned to an island group, you really only got to know that, that group. And, and where I was assigned to go, which I'll just share one other thing. Like, 
So, I mean, if anxiety, anxiety wasn't really a word back then, mm-hmm. I, at least I never really heard it or knew mm-hmm. what it meant, but mm-hmm. I was, I certainly had anxiety. I mean, mm-hmm. we had in the MTC, we had culture night and they would, missionaries that had served in this mission would come in and they would, uh, you know, kind of show some slides and stuff. And they were building, they were showing they were building their house on the beach. And I mean, it sounds really fun, but I mean, when you're going to be the one going there, all of a sudden it's like, wow, (laughs) you know, and to me, I was like getting physically like ill, just hearing some of these things. And I thought, you know, I can do really hard things, but anyway, um, that was just, you know, one of the things, so, so we landed in Guam, um, we got a bat, it was like four in the morning and then the mission president farmed us out to different, um, to, to different senior couples and just said, you know, have all the missionaries back to the chapel at noon and they'll start Morse code training. And I thought, oh my goodness, they didn't tell us about this. So anyway, so we're learning Morse code because we all had to get our ham radio operator's license. And, uh, and anyway, it was like three days of learning this, getting that license. And one by one, we were called in to go across the parking lot to the mission office to meet the mission president. And uh, anyway, and I got thinking, you know, I'm I'm pretty smart here. Like, do I want to sound like I'm with it and get sent to some of those places that are like that? Or do I want to sound like... You know what? You want to keep me like nearby in the air conditioning. Hey, man, you said this was English speaking. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I, so I go into this interview and I just, you know, tried to, you know, just try to be as honest as, as possible. But, you know, right off, it was like, are you an Eagle Scout? Yeah. You know, how many palms did you get? And kind of digging a little bit deeper to see, you know, how, anyway. So at the end of this little time while we're learning Morse code, finally brought our whole group in and basically went around the room and had a little packet for each of us that had stuff that you needed for your visa to go into these different places and whatever was translated for that particular um, area. Well, as they went around, and we'd kind of heard from the missionaries like where where the really rough ones were as far as no electricity, no water no um modern conveniences and so and that was called uh you know truck was the island that was like you don't want to go there you know unless you want modern conveniences and so anyways we went through it and i just knew i'm I'm gonna get it i know i'm gonna get it so and i kind of equated it to like the i don't know the different degrees like celestial kingdom down to telestial like you're gonna spend two years which feels like an eternity and you're going to be in air conditioning, or you're going to be in in really hot on the equator, you know. So anyway, I got we got the assignment. It was my MTC companion and I. We both got called to go to the Truck Islands, and he basically handed us our stuff, which consisted of the sacrament prayer. That's it. No, no Book of Mormon. Uh, that was the only thing they had that was translated. And he said, "You'll just start like learning this. It takes about a week to get your visas." So just um, just kind of read it back and forth to each other. And so, anyway, that was kind of the beginning. And uh, going from there, you know, we went out and just had this awesome experience. We had, there were 20 missionaries in truck. And um, I basically basically called them all my companions because we just kind of switched, switched around a little bit. But they're, 
um, you know, like my brothers today. And sorry, I had um, just in January um, had one of them commit suicide, mm. and that was really painful to um, to kind of hear about that and not you know know that we hadn't um, maybe communicated very well with him and and kept up with him. But um, anyway, these I feel like um, my whole life. Um, kind of changed from my mission. And, um, you know, it was really hard experiences. Um, there were times when, like most of my companions were um, local guys that hadn't gone to an MTC, they hadn't been endowed, they hadn't gone to the temple. Um, they were still struggling. They'd only been members for a year or so. Um, there was some word of wisdom issues. There was um, other issues that they were having, and I just wasn't sure. It was like, what do you report? What don't you report? How do you report? Because you're on like a little tiny island, and it's basically just me and uh, my companion. And to send Morse code back to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know where the Morse... I think the Morse code was kind of a, how well can you pick up a language? Because, I mean... Soon after I got there, we did have like CB radios. We communicated. Um, we had a car battery that, so every P day you'd, you'd go, there was one island that had stores and a post office and an airport. And anyway, on that island, um, we would go every P day and you'd have about three or four hours to grab everything you needed. And then you were back on the boat and, and then you were back to your island. Because when it, and I'll, I'll just tell you, it's really close to the equator. It's about seven degrees north of the equator. So um, what I found is the sun, like the days don't change a whole lot. It's like um, six o'clock, the sun comes up, six o'clock, the sun goes down. And when it goes down, it is like pitch black. And so it's really important to be off the water and everything by about like 3 p.m. just to be safe. And so anyway, the days were, days were kind of short. And so. Anyway, we'd come in and gather all of our our stuff and then head back out. It was like going to scout camp uh, every week. Like you get to have you know a few hours of getting your mail, getting some food and groceries, and then heading back out. And so anyway, it was we our water was uh, came from collecting rain and then boiling it, and uh, you know no refrigeration or anything like that. So just. Just kind of some 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 tough living conditions, but it absolutely is what I needed to, you know, turn me into the person that the Lord wanted me to. And um, just, you know, like living through these experiences with these people, I, I just got to a point where we just absolutely, I mean, just absolutely loved them. And, um, you know, I had missed them for for all these years and hard to communicate, hard to find out anything uh, about them. And so when an opportunity. Well, and you can imagine, you know, as we were raising our young family, Chad was always so good about, you know, Mm -hmm. the bedtime stories and the kids' favorite stories were all his wild mission stories, blowing up the rat in the door that had been (laughs) chewing, you know, Anyway, just if you if you've seen the other side of heaven, it's mm-hmm. basically his mission. My my jaw dropped when I first watched that, and I thought those that's those are exactly the stories that Chad's been telling us all mm-hmm. these years. So, and that was you know how he learned the language is basically how I had to learn the language. We had a 
Protestant New Testament, and I had the I had our you know King James version, and I would just read verse word by word, and I would just start making a list of words. Um, my companion, like I say, we're we're locals, and they would sometimes get up at five in the morning, and I wouldn't see them all day long, and I'd just be by myself, just kind of like studying, trying to figure out this language. And oh my goodness! And anyway, on the other side of heaven, when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, he just sits that's on that how, little you know, thing. How he learned it? And, yeah. Okay, I have some questions for you before we continue. So, oh. did you ever like have like? premonitions before your missions like before your mission that you might be asked to do something like this to learn a hard language i mean i'm just trying to put myself in your shoes and go what would the what we probably were 19 yeah how how does a 19 year old's brain like adjust to this type of a situation well i i you know i mean that's an interesting question and i haven't been asked that too much but um you know, in the back of my mind, I'd had just experiences in my life. Like I had a tree fall on me when I was 15 um, that kind of ended a a track um, career that was going pretty good at the time. Um, and there were just things that happened to me when I was growing up that I just thought, you know, I think I'm supposed to just go through some hard things. I felt like I needed to get my paycheck a blessing when I was really young. And I actually got it. like. Like when I was twelve, like my um, my parents had tried to encourage me to wait a little bit, but I just kind of kept getting this feeling like get your patriarch a blessing, and uh, so I did that. Like as, as soon as I turned twelve, I basically I I think twelve or thirteen, but anyway, I had that with me, and it, it's really short. It's not. Not very long, but it's really impactful. And there's a couple sentences in there that I just had memorized. And when I had my accident with the with the tree, I had a compound fracture on my left leg, which mm. is where the the bones both mm-hmm. exited my mm-hmm. my leg. And I and anyway, I was working on a on a farm at the time, and I just had those those words from that blessing just going over and over in my head. And I knew I was going to be okay based on some blessings that I was I was you know given in that. And so I just kind of, uh, I don't know, that was, I, I felt like I had a, a, a great growing up, but I, I was challenged with some tough things. Um, and uh, I just, I guess I wasn't all that surprised when I got my call. I just knew whatever it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be tough and I can do it. And wow, and it that. gave me a ton of confidence. I mean, going and learning the language like um, like that. and. Learning to you know live, you know like that was. Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine any other scenario for me. And the one thing that I love is, you know, he's been through a lot of hard things. We've been through a lot of hard things together. But I know because of his experiences prior to us meeting, and then his experiences on his mission, there is nothing we cannot face without. Mm. You know, he he just knows that be, we can get through. Be careful. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it was always a dream to be able to, uh, you know, hearing all of his stories. And anyway, it was always a dream to be able to go to his islands and do a humanitarian trip. And so we actually connected with a dentist that had a son that was actually Chukis. Maybe tell him how the yeah, so we're truck at, and Chuk. Yeah, as, of- we're, as we're talking, like, so truck... The Truck Lagoon, or the Truck Islands, 
uh, were an important part of World War II. It's where the Japanese set up their headquarters in the South Pacific. And uh, so in, in World War II, the United States came, and, and when the Japanese did that, um, they came in and they basically overtook these people's land. They um, enslaved them. And uh, so the locals um, just had a really, you know, a really, um, well, I mean, they were basically in slavery. And so when the United States came in and we, and we freed them from Jap- Japanese occupation, it was, it was a big deal for them. And there was, but there was a lot of destruction to their islands. Uh, there's a lot of bombing. There's like 40 warships that lay in the bottom of the truck lagoon, oh, which has boy. made it like the scuba diving, you know, one of the one of the greatest scuba diving destinations in the world. Mm. And uh, which we were able to do while we were there as well. Mm. But um, anyway, the, the United States formed an alliance with these islands and it was to last for 50 years. Um, and we basically helped them to rebuild. They got a budget. I mean, they received money from the United States. They were a trust territory. And it was called Truk during that period. The locals always called it Chuk. And Chuk just means mountaintop. And these are the mountaintops sinking into the ocean. And that's what forms the islands. And so, um, anyway, so the the lagoon is actually called, which is a 40-mile diameter reef that protects about 11 inhabited islands within the lagoon. And it, um, anyway, so it's called the Truck Lagoon in the Chuk Islands. And, and when this Trust Territory Treaty ended in the late 90s, it officially took on the name of Chuk. And so when I was living there, it was Truck. Now it's Chuk. So it was Truckies, Chukies. And I can't, I can't drop the truck stuff because I was, I was there. So, you might hear it both ways. And when you said that we went scuba diving, it was not you as a missionary. It no. was us. Yeah, us as a couple. <laughs> when we finally, anyway. The, the water is like clear blue. And, when, and we, oh. we were on boats all the time uh, as missionaries. Probably one of the only missions that you do that. But um, anyway, as we, would, as we would be in these boats going along, I would look over the edge and I, would, I could see some of these ships down there. And I just told myself, Someday I'm coming back and I'm going to go see what that looks like. That would be Unreal. so And so it was awesome to do that with, with Lynette when we went back. No kidding. So cool. So tell us how it is that you ended up going back as a couple. <laughs> well, I got to know how and you did this. Crazy and especially with a whole bunch of little kids. Yeah. That would be... Well, and we didn't take the children. So we, okay. we connected with this dentist that had a Chuki's son that was um, very well educated. And, they, and he was he's very much about going back and serving the Chukis people. And so uh, they, they knew that Chad had served as a missionary there, knew the language, and then had the dental skills. And so they had connected with us, and, but it's really expensive to get there because you have to go from island to island to island to be able to finally get out there. So the airline tickets alone are you know thousands of dollars. And so we saved up for several years planning this trip. And it took, it's 11 legs of flight to get to the truck islands. 11? Yeah. Wow. We, we could have oh. done it possibly a little shorter, but we also um, wanted to have, a, you know, see some of the other islands that were part of my mission yeah. that I never got to see. So even if it was an hour just standing on the, on the ground looking around at the airport, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Huh. So we had, you know, signed up to 
and and plan for this trip. Um, so with with months to go, you know, we're with no way to that we thought to communicate with anyone actually in the islands. Um, you know, because we decided to do it for two weeks, to go for two weeks, one week to actually go prior to the other, the rest of the um, humanitarian effort. And then we'd go for one week and go visit all the people that Chad met. And then one week we would be doing the humanitarian effort. So with about, let's see, maybe a month before, we were reading in the newspaper and there was a, you know how it would sometimes list the missionaries leaving, missionaries coming Mm -hmm. home. And there was one that said an elder was returning from the Micronesia Guam mission and it listed his parents. So Chad ended up finding the parents' phone number in the in the phone book and called to see, you know, by chance, did he did their elder serve in Chuuk? So you called. Yeah. So um, so this was about nine nine years ago is when. Oh yeah, when this, this experience. Yeah, the whole experience. And so uh, if you're wondering what a phone book is, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> and they were going extinct then, but. But anyway, so I, yeah, I, I just called, and you know, this missionary—I didn't know which island he might have gone to, so it might not might not help us a whole lot. But I was getting a little bit desperate because you know I had all the dental stuff ready. To, I, I'd shipped a lot of it actually in December, and this trip was happening in June. Um, and anyway, we we had a lot of the dental stuff figured out, but I didn't have that week figured out when we were going to go visit my mission. I was going to show Lynette, um, you know, different families and that. And, uh, so we went, um, went, went through the paper, found this, found this, um, phone number and I, and I called and I said, so I see that you've got a son coming home from Micronesia. Did he by chance serve in the truck islands? And the mom was like, um, actually he's not home yet. He gets home tomorrow. I said, great. I'll just, I'll just give him a call and get this all figured out i'm going down there and she said can you give us a week like <laughs> and and he did serve in the he did serve yeah in she the, said he did serve in truck yeah but you know can you give us a week and so i thought about it and i thought you know i haven't got a week so i gave him like two days i called he happened to be the one that answered the phone and i said um you know hey i am just it's been 25 years since i've been on you know out there um just wondering, um, you know, what about this person and this person? I, I started naming off some names and, you know, a few pretty prominent uh, members, you know, is Hans Willeander, who, who we'll be talking about more. And well, why don't you share a little bit? Well, why don't you share about Hans right now, why he yeah. was so important? So Hans, um, so the church had been in the Truck Islands for about five years before I got there. So it was still fairly fresh. Um, and we didn't have any like strong, really strong members, you know, families that had just grabbed on the gospel. That there were, you know, there were a few, um, but someone that was educated and strong in the gospel um, was kind of a tough find. And anyway, the lieutenant governor of the islands, basically, this his name was Hans Willeander, and he was taught by some of my companions, some of my some of my buddies out there. And he heard, you know, once he started hearing about the gospel, he was all in and just got baptized. Um, so the government buildings are on that main island where the airport is. It's called Moen or Wooda. We might say that a few times. But uh, anyway, on the main island is where he lived. 
um, while he was serving, but he was from a little island that was um, about an hour boat ride away, depending on how smooth the water is. And it was called Tol in the village of Nechocha. And and as soon as he got baptized, it was almost, you know, it reminded me of of Lehi wanting to share the fruit of, um, you know, of the tree in the in the vision in, in Second Nephi. And anyway, he, or First Nephi, sorry. But anyway, he wanted to share the fruit of the gospel with his family. And so he immediately, after he was, he was baptized, was like, I got to get this to my family. And so he, um, I had been on my mission for four months, had a little bit of a fill of the language and stuff, but I uh, was still, still figuring things out. And I was asked to be the missionary to go out to teach his family. And um, me, along with uh, a, a local a local missionary, and um, anyway, so we went out to, went out on a little boat, and basically didn't he we didn't have a house we didn't have anywhere to like live but he gave us he let us use a bedroom inside of a house that he had there and we were to go out and rent some land start building a house and teach the gospel and this island had like 300 people on it and uh we went out there and it was 11 months that I served served there um the mission president was busy going all over the mission and I went uh, that whole time went eleven months without seeing the president or anything, and in the meantime, we had we had baptized about a hundred people, and we had this branch that we were forming, and we were kind of like we don't know how to like do this, but anyway, and hands in the meantime started to be he he picked up that we had a member that was translating the Book of Mormon, but he passed away, and then hands. Hands picked it up from there and just started translating. Um, so when he would come home on the weekends, he'd be right there and he'd be just working at it. And it was just amazing. I mean, he, this, this man was, um, just so amazing to me. He had a library actually in his home there that I'd never seen before. Like anyone have like books that they actually studied on his wall. He had a, he had a certificate from Harvard. Um, that it was some type of international um, certificate program where where he went there, and he just was so proud of that, and it was just so awesome to to have someone finally out there that had you know had a deep influence on people. And his father was a Protestant minister, and he was on this island, and he told us that that you know he kind of gave us our list. I remember there was a list of like 35 people and he said, start with number one and start working down. And it's just kind of there, you know, a little bit of a class system. And uh, anyway, so we started with his dad and, and another, his dad's name was Willie Anders. So out there you take on your father's, your father's first name as your last name. So genealogy is, I was going to ask you it's about really that. Tough. I was thinking I am really ignorant at this, but, the it sounds a little french or like where that's i was thinking it was like two keys i'm like okay it's like a tribal yeah like something really not even familiar to my ears but these are beautiful names so the names yeah so so basically people that came from the outside they were either spanish missionaries they came from spain and they brought the catholic religion or they came from Germany, which is where I think Willie Ender okay. probably mm-hmm. came from there. Um, 
if they came from Germany, they were Protestant. And whatever whatever part of the island they landed on it was so most islands had like a half of it was Protestant, half of it was Catholic. And so it was really interesting, interesting just kind of where they landed. Did they look Caucasian? No. No, they were um Micronesians, they, they have pretty dark skin. They they look like Polynesians. But maybe but, even darker. Yeah. Yeah, maybe even darker yeah. and probably not as not as um physically fit, not as healthy. They don't have um their life expectancy is like 45 years. Like mm. we, at least when I was there, it was really rare to you know, you'd have a few people that uh you know beat the odds, but most wouldn't make it past 45. So mm. Like one one bad disease, and you're and you're. That's kind of it. So mm. anyway, so so that's a little bit about Willie. So Willie Anderson. Mm. So anyway, we our hands, um, you know, took us out there. We baptized his dad, Willie Ander, and then his whole congregation basically came to us, and we had people just asking to, you know, get the discussions, and at this. So we were teaching from sun up to sundown. We were teaching all the time and trying to build a house and uh so we were just really busy it was a it was a busy time it was it was a lot of fun but um and then i i just want to share one thing so hans uh years later the church actually flew him to salt lake for him to translate the temple ceremonies so okay. i mean he's Lynn, really he was really wow. quite a phenomenal yeah lynette and i were church, we were in logan church. going to utah state at the time and um came down to salt lake and it was just Amazing. We sat in his hotel room with him, and he was just And like, he was dying because he there, he was so amazed. There was a phone next to the, the toilet, <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's like, come on, come, <laughs> You've got to come see this. <laughs> so, so, anyway, just a little background oh, on him. And then, and then there was one other, there was one other person of, of importance to Chad um, as a missionary. His name was Michi. Yeah, when, when, when we got to Nechecha, um and we started, you know, baptizing these members and stuff, and then we organized a, a branch. Um, one of the counselors, uh, Michi, would, he was our helper every day. He would just go with us on all of our discussions, just just super nice, and just uh, helped us a ton on, on our house and our water tank and all, you know, all the stuff that we were building. And we had just... You know, he was just a lot of fun, and we had really had a tight bond. And so when we we were going on this trip, um, sorry, I'll just I'll just talk about this for a second. But I kind of made a list of people that I wanted to to reconnect mm-hmm. with. And uh, anyway, and and what what'll be interesting is that we were able to see most of these people, but uh, anyway, not not in the way that we expected it. So fast forward to when he was talking to this missionary that had just recently returned. Mm-hmm. To, from from the Micronesia Guam mission, and he was asking him, you know, do you know what about Hans Williander? What about Michi? And anyway, he this elder didn't know who these people were. Which yeah, and even I asked about Nechucha because when my last day on Nechucha, we were surveying the um, FM people, the facilities, facilities management management yeah. came out from the philippines and they were like we're here to survey the new chapel and wow. buy some land and i was like helping them and so in my mind they had this beautiful chapel and maybe even a temple you know <laughs> like I, things in my mind for 25 years had just i thought things had it progressed really nice yeah. and as i asked this missionary he's like you know hans williander don't know who that is um michi don't know who that is 
we don't even have missionaries on Nechocha anymore. The you know five dangerous. five years ago they pulled all the missionaries out. There was a an altercation, and uh, anyway, we kind of like we dusted our feet on that island, like. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is that like, was this hard. Is, that was hard. I remember oh that day. Like, do I, even, it was so do hard I want to remember what and... it was like when oh. I was a missionary, or do I really want to go back and see what happened? You know. Mm. And so, as we started making, yeah, so we started making these plans, and well, the elder said, the, Chad said, well, what you know, what's the best way to get in touch with some of these people to help arrange some plans? And the elder said, well, you can just email. And Chad was like, what? You can email. Yeah. yeah so, and, and, he, and he said, there's a missionary couple out there right now. They're the elder and sister Tiffany. They'd be a huge help to you. Here's their email address. And basically, that was the door that kind of opened up a lot of stuff for us. Because we were now three weeks away from our departure. And I was able to arrange some boat rides. Um, I hired one of my companion's um, sons to you know through email got him to be our driver so we could get out to these different islands because we wanted to go to nechocha we wanted to go to dublon uh you know one of our one of my first islands that i was on and 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 see all these people and so we had that all all arranged through email and the the missionary couple were like you know this will be great and then i just happened to just say and is hans williander really there and she said we don't know who that is but we she goes i've asked around a little bit uh, apparently he is no longer active in the church and he's in oh. bad health and he might be in Hawaii. That's what, that's what she said in her email. So, so in June, um, 2012, some father's day, we, we left, um, to go on our big adventure. And so we flew. It was just the two of us. We didn't bring our children. Yeah. And we were, mm. we were going to be gone for two weeks, like say a week of, a week of, um, reconnecting with the mission, and then a week of humanitarian work. And when I set up the flights, I purposely planned, and I told Lynette, I said, now, I know the pictures are beautiful, but these beaches are not what you're going to be wanting to walk around on. I mean, it's going to be a lot of work. And the beaches out there, I mean, they just see the ocean as a place to take away waste. So they'll go to the bathroom on the on the beach, and it'll just wash away. And they put garbage, and it just goes off. And so, um, anyway, so in knowing that, I thought, well, you know, we'll spend a little bit of time in, I think we landed in Hawaii, in Honolulu at noon, and then we, the next flight out to, to, to go to truck, or, you know, to start our way through all the islands. It was 5.30. Yeah, it was like. 5.30 a.m. The next. So we had less than 24 hours to spend in Honolulu, but just a little bit of relaxing time. So we. And I had, you know, I had a small rental car. I got a, I got a hotel basically just so we could get a little bit of rest and maybe, maybe shower. Um, and then we were going to be getting you know, on this flight pretty early. So as we were leaving, leaving the airport and we walked by baggage claim, I just assumed that all the bags would just check for the next day. And so we're walking past baggage claim and here's this pile of dental stuff. Um, we had in our carry-on what we thought we were going to be using in Hawaii. But they had this pile, and so then that got me asking questions. I said, so all this stuff is ours, but we're supposed to go on a flight in the morning? And they said, oh, yeah, you got to take it all with you right now. So I said, okay. So, And I said, but our flight's at like 5.30 in the morning. And she said, 
the airport opens at like 4.15, but if you show up, you then okay. you should be okay. And I, I was like, you know, and this was, you know, quite a bit of stuff. And so, anyway, so she said, um, yeah, just 4.15, you'll be fine. So we, we go down, uh, spend some time, some fun time in Hawaii, uh, you know, Waikiki, Honolulu. Just walking the beach. We went to dinner. Yeah, it was it was great. It was it was Father's Day, and uh, you know it was it was just a, a fun day. So then we we get up early in the morning. We're at the airport at four fifteen, and we walk up to the counter, and they say, "Well, your flight's to Majuro. You needed to check in at two fifteen for that flight." They said and we opened that. They we said, "Well, they told us the airport opens at four fifteen. She said, "No, for this flight." They open it at 2.15. You needed to be here. We will not let you. We will not let you on the plane. The plane hadn't even departed, but they would not budge. And she said, the next flight out is on Wednesday. So this was Monday morning. And the next flight out is on Wednesday, which then you have to cross the international date line. So it mm, would put us to Chuk on Thursday. That or fly to Guam and then backtrack, but also would get us there and on I, thursday I think that one was yeah that one was either thursday or friday so chad could I mean, hardly I had been planning. even speak like he couldn't speak oh. he was just pacing i had like, been planning what are for, we gonna do for a couple years and this lady was just like mm. there's just no way it's not happening and i was like but this is what we were doing what we were told <laughs> this anyway was our so plan. i was i was just sitting there and i'm like i am so mad right now and i walked back in lynette you know, she's just the <laughs> so, <laughs> eternal optimist, and she just I said, puts her arm around me. She's like, "We're we're in Hawaii. You're we're with, together. We're together. It could no be kids. Reno, Nevada. <laughs> we don't. Our kids aren't with us. No, and nothing I, against Reno. We I know, just got stuck right. in a snow snowstorm once. <laughs> right. But but I said, you know, if if by chance Hans Williander might be in Hawaii. Why don't we take these couple of days and see if we can find him? So we. Are you kidding me? So it was a. Uh, so it was finally a, th- a thought in my mind that was just like, okay, I gotta put this to bed because you know I got this boat driver waiting for us. We've got all these islands to visit, and so finally I was like, okay, there's nothing I can do about this. We gotta. Make We're in the Hawaii. Best we can. <laughs> so we went back. We got the same rental car again because it had been just barely dropped off. Went back to the hotel, got the same room. No, for, we upgraded. We upgraded. Yeah. We got a little bit nicer room because we'd be there for two nights, two you know, two more nights. So, this is, I mean, this is like five or six in the morning. Like I think we got back to the hotel. It was like six in the morning, and anyway, we, um, you know, we're just sitting there. And we thought, well, let's let's make the most of this. And so, one of the things we did, I mean, we kneeled down to say a prayer, like right off, and we just said. Heavenly Father, this is just, (laughs) so far this day has not started out very well, but just say... If there's any way possible, if Hans is here, please help us to find him by tonight. And so we, um, you know, and and I was very specific. I said, you know, by, by, it must have been like six o'clock or something. I said, by six o'clock tonight, we want to find Hans. And this is, you know, a city of a million people. Addresses in Hawaii are tough, um, and 
you know, and not being locals and, and knowing a whole lot about it. So anyway, so we, we said this prayer and then we basically started. We paid, we paid for people search. We did a people we search. We did a people and, search. And the only thing that came up was there was a listing for Hans Williander in Honolulu, but it had a P.O. box. And obviously we did not have time to send a letter or would he even go pick it up? And if that's even the right Hans Williander, we just don't know. And then there was the, and there was also another listing in Kaneohe, which is, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but on the windward side of the island up the Leaky Leaky Highway. So anyway, so we, that's the only information that we had. And we, we just set out and we thought, well, let's start with the mission office. So we went to the mission office, like right when they opened, we went in and we just said, Hey, we are looking for, for a member. We don't even know if he's been active or anything. Um, and so anyway, they, they took us back then. They showed us their library of stuff. And, you know, you had all the different islands, um, you know, and I mean, Hawaii is a huge melting pot of all island languages. I mean, they had probably 30 to 40 different sets of, of church materials. So we went to the Truckees or Chukies section, and here was the Book of Mormon, you know, that that he had translated there the selections and the you know the hymn books the principle of my gospel and all the, the family proclamation yeah all these all, all these things that he had a huge hand in and we're just like you know it was just kind of like we've got to got to find this guy but the the missionary couples I, I'm, I'm maybe they get this stuff a lot but it just kind of felt like well good luck with that you know like mm-hmm. so and we did get the stake president's name in Kaneohe. We thought, well, let's just start driving towards there. So we were on the Leaky Leaky Highway driving, you know, over the island. And uh, we decided to call my one of my companions, um, Jack DeMooney, who actually is one of the BYU coaches, one of the football coaches right now with uh, Kalani Sataki. Oh, and cool. uh, <laughs> anyway, so Jack, he's the one that's always trying to keep Kalani from running out on the field. His his job is to keep Kalani from getting tossed out. So that's his that's, that's his awesome. job down there. <laughs> but I mean he has other jobs. He's he's awesome. But at the time he was a school teacher on Maui. So I called him and I'm like, hey Jack, and, and we talk, you know, periodically and we've just stayed we've stayed good friends. I was his first companion. He was my he was my last. So um we just kind of had this connection. Um no, I got it. I got a dear John when I was with Jack and Jack. Not was, from me. Not from yeah. me. That's how we got. That's that's a part of the story. But that's another Jack, podcast. Jack was just <laughs> Jack was just upbeat, positive, just what I needed, and just we just had a we had this great bond. Anyway, I said Jack got a huge favor. Lynette and I are are stuck. That was in quotes. Are are stuck in Hawaii for a couple of days, and we want to find. Hans Williander, what what ideas do you have? And he's like, man, I got to think about that for a minute. But he says it's going to be coconut wireless. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, just talking to one person, and then that talks to another person. <laughs> and Jack, just a little bit about him. He is a self-proclaimed king of Laie, and feels like he knows he knows Oahu like no other. <laughs> and so I was putting his knowledge to the test. So I'm like, how this am I going to so find? Cute like hands here and he was like okay he's like drive over i said we're on the leaky leaky highway right now and he's like drive over to kaneohe to the windward mall and at the windward mall there will be a red and white striped uh malasada 
truck. It's called Leonard's. If you've ever been to Hawaii and had a Leonard's malasada. They're like these dipped. It's like a it's like a deep fried, not a donut, but anyway, it's kind of like a donut without a hole that has some filling in it. Um anyway, they're really yummy. So so we get to the we get to the Windward Mall and we're like circling around and we don't see the Leonard's truck and I and I just thought, okay, now what? You know? And Lynette being the optimist, she's like, Well, let me just talk to a couple people, you know, and uh the first people said, oh, we're not from here. We don't know what you're talking about. And then I noticed that there was a security guard just off in the distance. So we pulled up next to the security guard. And, and I said, do you know where the red and white striped Leonard's truck is? And she said, oh, they're not here today. But she said, I have their number in my phone. I'll, I'll hurry and call and see where they're at today. So she said, she called and, and, and she said, they're actually over in Hawaii Kai, Hawaii Kai near the Costco. Drive over that direction. You can't miss them. They're there right now. So we get back in the car. So drive. then we, so we drive around. Um, anyway, around. I'm not sure what the directions are, but we, we <laughs> and drive. This is a we drive the long. They can't see. <laughs> oh. Anyway, we, we we drive. I'm doing hand motions. <laughs> so we drive around the long way around the island, and uh, we we come into Hawaii Kai, and we see the Costco, and we see the red and white. Leonard's striped van, which we have a cool picture of. But uh, anyway, so and but one thing that that Jack said that that Demuni said is uh, they always hire truckies people to work in those vans. I mean, your your chances of finding a truckies in, in the in the food truck is just you know really high. So so we pull up, getting all excited, getting this long line of people waiting for malasadas, and uh, we get up to the front, and I. Look at the girl, and and I said so. I said hello in truckies, and she was like, "Hey, how do you know my language?" And I said, "Well, I used to I used to live, you know, in truck." And uh, anyway, so she was she's great. Well, she's kind of like, "So, what do you want to order?" And I'm like, "I don't really want to order. I just want to talk to you." So I I and, love languages. What does hello sound like in truckies? Random. Okay, so I want to say so, it one more time. And yeah. oh, you want to so hear yeah, it again? Say it one more time. One yeah. more time. Random. So say the All name right. of the church. So the church is So it doesn't sound like French or any other language, does it? No. no. It actually sounds like you just played a record backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. It's like Yeah. Kind of weird. <laughs> Different. And it's and they're all so unique. You'd think from one island group to the next, but they were all you know specific to their own to their own language, and I could go on with wow. the language thing for a bit, but that's so cool. Anyway, so so we stand in line, and I order, you know, we order some malasadas, and then I just said, "Hey, is there any chance that I mean, do you live amongst uh, you know some other truckies people?" And I said, do, "Do you know like Hans Willander by chance?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, I, I do. I was actually with his daughter last granddaughter. night. Granddaughter, granddaughter no last way. night." And so, um, so I was like. Oh my gosh. I said, would, would you have her phone number or anything? She's like, yeah, but I'm working right now. Why don't, why don't you come back later? So we're like, okay. So we go sit the in the car. Ticking. We're like, we're like, I was like, you have till six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, how much later? So we sit there for like an hour in the car eating a couple of these things. I mean, they are, they're like Rich, heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't eat too many or we're done for the day. But uh, anyway, so I go get back in line. It's been about an hour. Get up to the front of the line again, 
And I said, hey, by chance, do you have that number? And she's just like, you know what? I'm working right now. I'll get it for you at the end of the, at the end of the day. And I'm just like, this isn't how this was supposed to work, you know? And so we go back in the car and we're sitting there and then we just happen to glance that this Costco and it's getting about lunchtime and we're thinking samples, free samples. <laughs> so we thought, let's go get, let's, let's go, get go get some, some samples, samples, and we'll just kind of pass some time till it gets closer to when she gets off. You know, I think she said she got off around three or something like that. So, so we went, uh, we went into Costco, and we're we're going around, and we're getting we're getting samples and just looking around. And I'm just uh, I'm just standing there, kind of by the low freezers, and there's there's two tables that are set up, and the ladies are talking over the top of frozen foods and i'm just sitting there like oh this has just been such a bummer of a day you know and all of a sudden i'm just sitting there and and i hear him talking i'm like hey they're speaking truckies and so i told lynette i said these um, i can understand them i said these ladies are truckies so i go over to him and i started speaking to him and i said um so where where are you guys from? Like what island in in truck? And so they said we're from we're from Dublin, which was my very first island. And I said uh, that I served on for that first four months. And and I said so um, what part of Dublin or whatever? And and I said I used to live over in Riochi's you know neighborhood. You know, and they were like, oh yeah, we we weren't very far from there. She's like, when did you live there? And so we just kept talking and. And she said, well, my dad was actually the senator from, from Dublin. And I said, well, we used to ride on P-Days. He would let us ride on his boat so we could go get our food. And, and she's like, really? And, and uh, anyway, so I kind of described him. And she goes, yeah. And I said, actually, I've got a picture of him. I've, I've got an iPad out in my car. I said, so my son, um, as a part of the preparation for this trip, I had him take all my slides from back when we used to do that and scan them all and then i put them in island groups so i knew like these are all my dublon pictures these are my nature pictures what a great idea and so i had them all on this ipad so i said just a minute so i ran out to the car and and you know just talking about these people they um they didn't see pictures of themselves very often because you know cameras were you know and then getting them developed you know, before the digital age, I mean, them actually seeing themselves was really weird. Like even in a mirror or whatever was, was kind of an oddity. I mean, it was just kind of, kind of different for them. So I went out to the car and got this iPad and I just went back in and I, and I was like scrolling through and I'm like, is this your dad? And she's like, oh my gosh. She goes, yes, that's my dad. And he's, uh, and I said, so is he still alive and she goes yeah he's she goes we think he's probably the oldest one in in truck he's close to 90 so he'd like doubled the life expectancy and and so um so she said um do you mind if i get a copy of that and i said yeah but i've got just one thing that you could help me out with i said do you happen to know hans williander and she goes oh i do she goes my cousin actually lives in the same complex as him and I and she said, and I said, is there any way I can get the address? And she's like, well, that's not going to do you a whole lot of good because, you know, past the palm tree, you know, it's like, it's it's just going to be tough. She goes, I probably ought to take you there. And we said, so what time do you get off work? And she said, um, 
She said, well, I get off at 5.15 and then I take a bus to the McDonald's and then my husband comes from his job and he meets me at the McDonald's and then we get another bus and we go. And I said, you don't have to worry about McDonald's, the bus, or whatever. I said, we're going to give you a ride today. So um, we will be here when you get off work. And so anyway, we went and bought some more malasadas. Some for the uh, some for these two <laughs> girls that that were working there, and then some for for hands. And uh, anyway, am I leaving anything out? No, I just remember as we were showing them the pictures. You know, this the in Costco. There's the food, but then there's the sectionals. They'll have furniture. Yeah. So we sat there. It, the girls took a break. Oh. Came. We all just sat there on the on the couch, just going through all these photos. It was just amazing. We were having our own little moment right there in the middle, in of, the middle of Costco. <laughs> and these ladies were like <laughs> afraid that oh, we're, you know, we're only on break for a little bit, then we got to get back to work. But anyway, so, so we came back at 5.15, gave her a ride, and uh, did we pick up her husband too? Or? Anyway, so so we we drove right up into the complex where they were, and, and it's it was, like the projects. I mean, it's project housing. It's subsidized yeah. mm-hmm. and just you know kind of poor conditions. And anyway, so we're just standing, and it you know it felt like after all this work and stuff that you know it wasn't going to be this easy. But all of a sudden, she goes, "Yeah, it's just in that door." He just lives in that door right there, and I was just like, oh "My gosh!" Like, and so we. Uh, so we go up to the door and I and I knocked on it and kind of quiet for a second and then and then Han says he's like who's there and I and uh so just a, a, another thing so you know like on the other side of heaven like Elder Groberg kind of had a nickname they they yeah so my nickname was Eddie's which means whiskers I always had a five <laughs> o'clock shadow because by the time I shower or uh, shaved in the morning I, I always had whiskers and. uh so my nickname was Whiskers, and it, and it's also like my name. They couldn't, they don't say they're L's, so they say the L's is D's. So Eddie's actually means Whiskers. So it just kind of worked out. Oh Eddie's. my goodness, yeah. I love. And that. so I'm so I'm there at the door, and I knock, and he's like, "Who's there?" And I'm like, uh, "It's Eddie's." And there was a long pause, and he was like, "He said, oh. uh, he said, uh, the Mormon," and I said, "Yeah." And he says, come on in. And so uh, we walked in, and he's, like, just laying on this couch and is in poor health. You could just see, he almost looked gray, just, mm-hmm. you know, on this couch. And then he had this, his wife, Sachia, this, she's this big, beautiful woman, and she didn't speak any English, so we couldn't and, communicate and with she her, was, but, or she I was, couldn't. But She was just like our mom out there. I mean, she would, she would cook for us. She would just do whatever she could i mean she was so sweet she would just and the the women in truck are amazing i mean they do laundry they cook i mean the guys are sometimes so lazy and you see what these women are doing and and they're just uh it's i don't know i just had a special bond with some of these older ladies that were basically um i don't know like like my mom and uh Anyway, so we're we're sitting there, and in uh, hands, you know, he's kind of looking at me, and I and I had the iPad, and he's just kind of like, I can't believe it, you know, like, 
it's really you, you know, and, and it'd been 25 years since we'd, we'd seen each other. And, and, um, they, anyway, she was kind of, um, he started to kind of like sit up and get like a little bit of life to him. And, and anyway, he had, uh, I needed to get our driver, you know, to back to, I mean, our, our guide back to her house. And, uh, and also, so, so they have some interesting like they name their kids so so to say the letter w is we and um anyway and, and they don't they it was a phonetic alphabet like nothing was written in their alphabet until like 19 1980 i think um a graduate school in uh, our language department at the university of pennsylvania went out there as one of their projects and went to these islands and basically said that sound you're making is this letter. So the old, older people couldn't really pick up on the language. As, I mean, a written language like the younger ones could, they were kind of taught it, but hands did. And that's how he was able to help translate the book of Mormon. Mm. But a lot of, you know, a lot of people would just get it and be like, I don't know what all these let all these markings are because it's our letters that we gave them. It looks like English characters. But they had to teach them what they all said. And so I think today, you know, it's doing pretty good. But when it was only five years old, I mean, it was uh, it was a little rough. And um, anyway, so so Hans is Hans is, is there and Sachia and they're just like, oh, she was just like, she was like oh. rubbing Lynette's arm. Oh, she was and- just loving on me. And Chad would show her picture. She just wanted to see any picture he had of her. And just made her so excited. And I mean, it was just all of her working every day. Like, here you are doing laundry. Here you are cooking a pig. Here you are doing the garden. You know, and uh, anyway, it was just awesome. And we, so we spent this time with them. And so I needed to kind of break away a little bit. But anyway, so I so get back to the, the letters of the alphabet. So they named, they're, they're pretty simple. They named their kids basically, um, well, their names were We One, We Two, We Three. And they used uh, they used the English names one, two, and three. So it was like W one, W two, W three, and they named me um, W four, like they're <laughs> one of their one of their boys. And so we'd baptized um, we two and we three. We one never never uh, was baptized. And uh, anyway, we're sitting there talking, and they said, "Well," uh, and and we two had passed away. And so they said, well, we three, he's going to be here in just a minute. He's going to, he's going to die. You know, he's like. here visiting. He's here visiting. <laughs> he was going to run for lieutenant governor and, and, you know, kind of be like what his dad was, but he'd been studying in, in a library in Hawaii, like learning policies and that kind of stuff. And, and so he was in the Honolulu library and he was there for a couple of weeks. So anyway, he, he shows up and he was like, oh my goodness, like, look who's here, you know? And, and so I said, hey, why don't why don't we slip out and you know I asked them if there's anything they needed we we went and got them some uh some food and some water and and a few things while we were taking uh what was her name was it Fumi or Rin? so anyway we took her we took her home went and got some things and Lynette stayed so there I and stayed had back some awesome with, conversations with Sachia and and Hans even though Sachia couldn't understand anything I was saying but I thought you know we can't we can't let this moment get away without knowing where he stands in the church, you know, what his, what his thoughts are and why, if he's not active, like what caused him to step away because he was such an important part of 
you know, helping the yeah, church sure. blossom in, in the Truck Islands. So, so I just said, Hans, I said, you are such an amazing person. And I'm so honored to be here with you. Will you tell me why, why are you no longer active in the church? And he said, he said, you know, my father was a Protestant minister prior to joining the church. And on his deathbed, he told me that his biggest regret was that he had left the Protestant religion. So he said, to honor my father, I felt like I needed to step away as well. But when he was telling me this, I thought there's got to be more to the story. And once we made it to Chuuk, we did learn that it was more politically driven. He wanted to run for office. And in order to gain, you know, the Protestant vote, he needed to denounce the the LDS religion. Um, but I said, I said, you know, you were so instrumental in helping with the Book of Mormon. I said, do you have one that you translated? And he said, no. He said, that is one of my regrets, that I didn't take a copy with me when I left Chuk. I would love to have one again. So I said, we can make that happen. We'll make that happen for sure. So we had good conversation while they were away. Um, and then... And then we, then we came back and we you know gave him gave him all this you know sent some food and some water and uh, you know and uh, anyway we said well and so this is Monday and our flight's not till Wednesday and we're like well we're we're here tomorrow so we'll be but we told them we'd come back we wanted to come we visit gonna, them again bring some things for them we we'll, we said we'll get you a book of Mormon and whatever else we can find um, so. So we went uh, just to kind of finish out that day. So we go back to our hotel room, and we literally got there and just dropped to our knees and just <laughs> thanked Heavenly Father. We're just like, like we just experienced a miracle. Like, like was... how do you show up <laughs> in Hawaii, in Honolulu, and try to find someone without, you know, using any type of modern technology other than the phone call to Jack DeMooney, but none other. Like there's just there's no way that it wasn't an absolute miracle. And so we were just uh you know, we we're just amazed and um we basically said that night we were like, you know, if if our trip ended right now and we didn't even make it to, to truck, I mean this would be all worth it. You know, just and um well anyway, I'll I'll get into Tuesday a little bit. Well, in fact you we posted you posted a picture of of Hans and Sachia with us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And the elder who baptized Hans responded Im- pretty immediately. And he said, I'm and, sitting here with tears. Oh. Said, and, <laughs> and this was the this was the elder that committed suicide in, oh. in January. But he was in I believe he was in Afghanistan at the time. Um But he said he'd been searching he said, I've been searching for Hans for ten years. And you've just answered my prayers by finding. And we hadn't like we had a physical address now that anyone could send something to hands. So I spent spent oh, that yeah. night. And I typed up. I typed this all up. It ended up being like eight pages, and wanted to explain to the missionaries, like, um, kind of in in their culture and everything, that he needed to be visited by someone that was high up like him, not. Not not a not a missionary, but like a, like a missionary leader to be invited. To, it's just kind of the way that their their culture kind of worked. And anyway, so 
we spent some time explaining how you know we we've got this man that translated the Book of Mormon and their family's in need right now and and if there's anything we can do as a church to to rally around and help help this man and his wife you know it'd be fantastic you know they're elderly and 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 struggling health wise and in other things so we were, we had this vision that it might we might be able to help him out a little bit there so anyway we just we i remember we just kind of fell asleep and it was just this overwhelming feeling like you know god is good and and even though we had a plan that didn't look like this you know we were supposed to be sleeping in in truck that night and uh and here we were you know stuck but we had this miracle unfold in front of us and so we get up we get up the next morning it's tuesday the temples um open we didn't bring we didn't bring anything for a beach or anything so i mean this might be the only time someone went to hawaii and never even <laughs> never even touched the the, the water. water really but so we went uh we went to the mission office we gathered we took everything truckies you know we'll take that 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 you know basically we made this little uh gift bag for them and um and then we went up to the temple went up to laie and um went through a session and i listened to it and try, i'm trying to get my mind going in truckies because i know i'm I'm going to be going out there. It's been 25 years since I spoke it. And uh, anyway, so I listen. I have headphones on. I'm listening to it. And I'm hearing like Hans's voice in the in the temple because he's one of the um, oh. voices. And, you know, my companion, uh, my another companion of mine is another one. Um, <laughs> and and S- Satan is actually... <laughs> One one of the jokesters in one of the branches, you know, I'm just like, like, I know all, you know, I'm just sitting there kind of, um, smiling, just, you know, having this opportunity. And so we're, we're in the temple, we, we have this session and it just, and then from there we went back to Costco. Costco. Well, Sachia, we could tell that she was having a hard time seeing. So we thought, well, and I, my, my eyesight was starting to go just because of age. So I thought, well, if we want them to read what we're bringing them, then we've got to pick up some, at least some reading glasses. Some readers, yeah. So we, we went and grabbed some of those and a few other supplies for them. And then just kind of reported to the to the girls there, Fumi and Renzi, that, hey, we, you know, thank you so much. This is exactly what we needed. And, and then, anyway, then we went to, uh, we told them we were going to arrive at a certain time and so we made sure to, to make that appointment and we showed up with these materials these glasses and some other things that they needed and 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 one of the cool things is we we three said i'm gonna find michi for you because michi isn't he said, there Mi- either yeah, we didn't He's know that we truck. didn't know he wasn't going to be in truck either he michi said i'm pretty sure he's here and i'll find him so you can see him as well so we so we pull up to Hans and Sachia's house um, again. You know, the second day, we've got all this stuff for them, and they, they are, are like wearing their nicest stuff, and it's full of energy. They're outside. It was like the, sitting on lawn chairs <laughs> had gotten into them, and I, I just think you know, being around the spirit again is invigorating. It just invigorated their souls. It was like night and day from the day before. And so we, you know, you we had this. reminded them of something. Uh-huh. I, and uh, we had the iPad with us, and we, and we said, hey, we're going to be seeing your family. And, 
I think they realized that they were probably not going to be able to uh, make it back out to truck again mm. in this life. So we said, why don't you share a message? And when, we, when we're there, we will show them these videos. <laughs> and so they sat there and they're like, hello, family. And, <laughs> you know, they did, it was Aww. a cute little video that was just awesome. And, um, <laughs> and then, and then we three said, so are you guys ready to go see? Well, and I think too? you had a prayer with it. You didn't yeah. you say a prayer? Yeah. You said a prayer with them. I think. Yeah. In Chukis. Yeah. And then we, and then, so then we three just all excited because he had done all of his research and knew where Michi and his wife lived. And so who was our missionary helper? Remember back? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, anyway. I've actually got a cool picture. We're pounding breadfruit together and just doing all this stuff out, out, out in truck in, you know, 25 years ago. So anyway, so we, we drive up to Michi's house. He's also in another section of projects. I had no idea there were so many. If, if you go to Honolulu and you're not on the beach, um, and you're driving around these projects, it's, it's crazy how many, like these situations and you it's know, dangerous be- because these island groups don't aren't necessarily friendly toward mm-hmm. each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, we mm-hmm. think about like refugees um, here. I mean, I, you know, I, I I guess I always just thought about, you know, the the refugees that we we get to take in sometimes here. But I mean, Hawaii is just loaded with basically refugees from all these little islands that are just you know need better health care and need need something, but uh, and can't get it out in, in these islands, and so. It's just, it was eye-opening. And so basically, so we're, walk, we're walking up at the sidewalk, and, and Michi is, I can see him from a distance. Him and his wife are sitting out there. And Michi didn't know we were coming. Oh, and he had, it was just uh, a surprise. And he now has, I mean, they said he's blind, but I, I think he just has cataracts. Because when I put the iPad up within about three or four inches, he could, he could see, you know, pretty good. It was just kind of, but I mean, it was cloudy. For so he's just kind of sitting there until we come walking up, and I'm filming behind because I knew it was going to be a sweet reunion. Because I mean, he just, I mean, one little short story about him. I mean, one day we were like building their house, and he started taking some of the scraps, and he started building a building an anchor, um, out of our scraps, (laughs) and you know he didn't. He, I mean, they have different classes out there of money. I mean, he was the poorest of the poor. Didn't have anything, but he, he started making an anchor. And he's like, someday I'm going to make a boat. This is going to be my, like, he just had all the hope in the world. But he's just like, this I, big I, grin. we're like, we'll start with the anchor, you know, and then we'll, we'll help you get there. But anyway, he just, he just was so fun. Like, but anyway, so we're walking up and, uh, and anyway, Michi's like, who's, who's coming? And I was like, it's, it's Eddie's. And he was like, the Mormon? And he'd, he'd, of course, I mean, he had gone inactive as well. I hadn't, you know, kept going to church once he got to Hawaii. And uh, so anyway, it was just like, and then he just was, we were just hugging and, and he, it was just an awesome reunion. And we got to kind of talk for a little bit. And, but as we got talking, you know, I'm like, well, how's this person doing? Well, they live here in Hawaii too. How's this? Basically my list of who I was going to see more than half of them. We're now in Hawaii. And um, as, you know, as we got back to our hotel that night, I mean, we just just sat there amazed because we were like, here we would have like, 
pushed and pushed to to get there. And, you know, here I was basically arguing with this lady that you still got time to put my stuff on that plane, you know, and, and here, um, you know, it wasn't meant to be, I would have, we would have got there and I would have been so disappointed looking around. Oh, they're in Hawaii and they're in Hawaii and they're in Hawaii. And, uh, anyway, so that next, the next morning, you know, we, we flew out, but I think that's probably actually when we said, you know, right now we could, we could, we could call this a trip. And, and uh, it was more than we could have ever imagined, you know, and, and I, I remember just as we, as we descended into the airport in, in Chuuk, just Chad was completely overcome with emotion um, because it was really those islands that shaped him. But I was so grateful for that. And, you know, we, we had experienced that in Hawaii, but then we still had, you know, some time to go meet all of the people that he'd taught and then have this humanitarian experience on top of it. But I look back at that experience that we had in Hawaii and I, I learned a couple of really profound lessons. And the first one being that it doesn't matter who you are or where you are or how far you've strayed. Heavenly Father is completely aware of where you are and what you need. And the other thing that I learned, well, we learned together, was you might have the perfect plan, but if it doesn't go exactly as you thought it would, just hold tight because there's probably something better in store. Heavenly Father is the master orchestrator and he, he knows. So just hang tight. And we, we've had several experiences since then, and I know everyone does, but we've had some big trials in our life. But I, I, I have really learned to rely on that experience that we had together in Hawaii to know that we've just got we've just got to hang on and the right thing will happen in the right time so you made your plan but you made it with imperfect information and heavenly father yes. has the rest of the information <laughs> yes <laughs> hold Absolutely. on you need to stay here for a little bit because <laughs> yes. there's a bunch of people that you're going to be really excited to meet yeah again yeah and just uh you know to continue on just a little bit, you know, we've been able to go back, uh, to Hawaii a couple of times with their family. And, um, and, uh, one, the, the last time, um, that we went as a whole family, we went to, we were staying in, um, um, yeah, Koalina and went to sacrament meeting. And then afterwards we just told all of our kids, you know, we're just going to do sacrament meeting and then we're going to go do a special project again. And it was so neat to, uh, we went to a grocery store and just filled up some baskets full of food and then went up to Hans and Sachia's house and they got to meet like all the kids. And they were just like, you know, at this point, Hans was probably, um, he was probably affected. I mean, they, they call it the sickness of, of confusion. So probably Alzheimer's, dementia. Or dementia or something. And so he was kind of in and out of it just a little bit. He'd just sit there and smile and kind of shake his head. And But we, we went, we were able to take all of our kids and just filled their, filled their cupboards and, uh, and just sit there and have them just, you know, Sachia loving on all the kids, just and touching she, their skin. She'd <laughs> learned a little bit of English, so she said, I love you. I like you. Oh, <laughs> kept saying that over and over. Repeating. I love you. Oh. I like you. And the kids will still like say that, but 
was so fun to you know to have them meet um hands and hands passed away about i think it was maybe about a year after we had that experience but um anyway it was just you know just absolutely awesome to be able to you know these people that had such a huge role um in my life to be able to share that like with with my family and my kids and and you know with with Lynette I mean just when we were out there I mean it really just I don't know we I think it helped us realize that you know I mean we we love to go on vacations and we love to see new places and and all that but when we've really enjoyed things the most is when we've incorporated that along with um you know trying to serve our father in heaven and um and we said a number of times and we've always had a goal to go on a mission as a couple and it really felt like for that two weeks that we were serving a mission together and just gave us a little bit of a glimpse and something that we want to want to do and something we're trying to plan for in our life and uh anyway that's um so one question when you when you finally made it to truck did you ever figure out what happened to the the island where Hans's family all was and where you where you built that branch but yeah and then That's they pulled a missionaries question. out so yeah that was so it was kind of nice cuz we we didn't hear the story before we went and so it was kind of good cuz we were um you know we we only had a couple days now to fit in like 6 sure. days worth of planning mm-hmm. and we were just like okay we got to probably cut out that island you know and so we just kind of went to two two main islands and um anyway and just a side note as you're traveling on these in these boats you're on the ocean a lagoon they don't where they don't have life jackets not mm. even on the boat mm. so it's just it's a little unsettling <laughs> but it was just normal i mean it's just the way, mm-hmm. the way it was i but anyway so we uh we went on the boat out to to nechecha to, to the little island and uh and there's a there's a long dock that you know that I remembered from that very first morning when when I was asked to go open this island it was just it was all kind of coming back to me again it was kind of overwhelming and to go out there again and just be able to share that with Lynette and just be like this this is the exact spot that that story happened <laughs> and this this is where this happened and, and this is this person and it was just amazing. But anyways, we started to walk on the island. So so there were so the island of Toll and the village of Nechocha. So each island kinda is known for something. And this island is known as the fighters. And I and it, someone told me just before I got on the boat, like, you're going to the island of the fighters. And I was just like, Okay. You know. Luckily I didn't understand the language. So I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I mean I mean this was back when I was oh, a missionary. Okay. So so anyway, so it had that reputation, but when I was there, I mean it was so awesome because they were just all accepting the gospel and stuff. But when I went out again after twenty five years, you know, that reputation had stuck with them. And so when we got off the boat and I'm walking with Lynette, we were met with right at the end of the dock with machetes. I mean, they, they've got them kind of drawn, and they're, but they're holding some coconuts as well. They'd just been up on their farms up on the hill. They said, what are you guys doing here? And I just said, oh, I used to live here. I just wanted to show my wife where I used to live. 
They said, oh, great. They set them down. They cut off the top of the coconuts. Ugh. And they give them to us to drink. Yum. But it was just, I mean, they're uh, kind of intimidating. And so, anyway, we spent a little bit of time. We're walking up the trail. And they were like, what are you doing here? Like, what, you know, people kept coming up. And, and, and one of them was someone that we'd baptized. And she was walking towards us. And, and I was like, oh, are, are you Judy? And she's like, yes. And I said, well, I'm Elder Ellis, you know, El- Eddie's. And uh, anyway, so we just sat down and we had the iPad. We'd go to all the toll pictures. Before long, we had a crowd of oh, 100. Oh, all these people <laughs> all around just wanted to see this iPad. And they I were, thought, this is, yeah, it was amazing. It would be a great Apple commercial. I mean, once you think you had to like Zoom and move around on the iPad, it was it was crazy. But but anyway, as, as we left this island... Um, I'm gonna. I'm about ready to answer the question. So as we as we left the island, um, the motor quit working on. Well, the... we even walked. We even. Oh. It was the cutest thing. We wanted to see where the chapel was because it had been built, but was no longer in use. Mm-hmm. But we started walking abandoned. down the trail, mm-hmm. and it was like we were the Pied Pipers. We had this whole <laughs> trail of people <laughs> following us to go find the chapel, and it was overgrown with you know the jungle and. Yeah, but, the, the there was a little missionary house that was sitting there that the the jungle had kind of grown over, and it was just really surreal because the house that we had built, you know, as a missionary, that um, I mean, we had just poured our soul into this thing because the only place that we could rent was on a on a hillside that was at I swear it was like a forty five degree angle, and we I had to do a cut and fill, so we had to dig into this mountainside and then build a retaining wall with um, rocks. Um, Tracy Burnham would be impressed. Yeah. And so we <laughs> with did it. No, with no machinery. Yeah. yeah, so we did this by hand. We did this with retaining wall and then we just flattened it all. We built the house and then we built a water tank and then we built a, an outhouse. And it was, I mean, it was like just a lot of work. You know, well, taking, so my, my yeah. boys love to get on YouTube and watch like the Indians digging yeah. swimming pools and stuff. That's, like, that's what oh, I'm yeah. thinking is yeah. you guys are out there with the, yeah. your bamboo or whatever. Well, just and digging. He, make, he makes <laughs> it sound easy, but it was like one sheet of ply. You know, you could only carry so much on a boat. Oh, yeah. These are only so like was, 20, 20 foot boats out on the ocean and, and you're borrowing someone's space on their boat. It's like, so a cinder oh, yeah. block each time, you know, you go for a P day. Oh, I my mean, goodness. And, and my my mission president was a little tough. He, he was, was a lot tough. He was a <laughs> Vietnam POW, six years Hanoi Hilton, and just not a lot of no sympathy, not like, a lot, but no. But sympathy, like once really. we went three yeah. months without rain, and we had to write him a card. We had to just send him a three by five card each week and just say how we're doing, and uh, just check in. And uh, anyway, once we went three months without rain, and the coconuts were even going dry. I mean. It was just like, we are, like, it rains every day in the afternoon, and we just gather that rain, and it got us by for the next day. And anyway, we were drying up after that, and basically, we just said, we're running out of food and water. And he just wrote back, like, are you eating rats? You'll be all right. Like, and it's just like, okay. You know, but... The perspective was, I probably shouldn't share that one, but. <laughs> that is incredible. But anyway, so we, uh, so we walked up, we were walking around this island a little bit, and I tried to show Lynette the place where we built, and the house was gone, and it had deteriorated. The but water the, But the water tank, this. There. And we're talking like a, maybe a 500-gallon 
like significant like water tank and anyway it took a lot to like build this thing and it was still standing so i was glad that there was something there mm-hmm. did you say wow but it's so weird to show up to some place and all of a sudden just have it overgrown with jungle again and it's oh just, i bet yeah um but it's anyway hardening. so so we get back to our boat to to leave and we were hoping to have enough time to stop by another island on the way i'd spent 11 months on this island and then six months on on uh, an island called Udut. And, um, and that's where I'd finished my mission. We were hoping to get there and we get back on the boat and we, we get out in the ocean just a little bit or out in the lagoon and the motor dies on the boat. And, uh, anyway, and we're sitting there like, Oh my gosh. Then the kid pulls out a cell phone, which is like, how in the world is this happening in truck? And he calls his dad and he says, Hey, I've got, and he's like, take, take one of, uh, Eddie's shoelaces tight on this and so I start unlacing my shoe and he puts it on the little throttle and basically basically just like he had to use that because a little cable broke and he said go over to this other island uh Ramanan it's a little tiny island out there an awesome family like we had a good strong family that that lived there um that was just the stalwarts of the of the church out there and anyway, so he said, go over to Ramanam and there'll be a guy that can fix it. And to me, I was just like, yes, we get to see Ramanam, you know, because it's this cool little island. So we go over there and a couple missionaries just pop out of the jungle. We're right there by their house. There's a chapel and a, and a house. They did these little complexes where the missionaries live, you know, pretty close to the chapel. And they always had a volleyball basketball court uh, right next to them. And these missionaries kind of pop out of the jungle and they were like, Hey, where'd you guys come from? And they said, we just came from Toll. And these missionaries just like, their jaws dropped. And they're like, you, you were on Toll? We're like, yeah, I used to be a missionary there. What's the, and he said, um, he said, basically they, the church dusted that island a while ago. Like five years ago, there was some missionaries from some Polynesians that were serving there. And in the middle of the night, there was, um, they have these things called pachenkos. They're basically poisonous darts. Maybe? Yeah, poisonous darts that, but they shoot them with like slingshots. And the missionaries had a couple in their like little little ten by ten house that was sitting there. Anyway, they and I took a picture of it and and stuff. And they said, yeah, you know, a few years ago they had to they had to emergency transfer in the middle of the night the, the elders off the island. And we've never been back. You know, had we known that story before we we went out there, we might have not, we might have been a little more nervous. But I was just like, hey, Lynette, these are the, but there was a little apprehension when we were on the island. I mean, they hadn't seen, they hadn't seen us for a while, but, um, you know, they, they had us being members of the church and, and that. So anyway, it was just, yeah, it was just amazing and i'm i'm glad that it happened in the sequence that it did wow. and so but we didn't have enough time to make it to to the other island but as as fate would have it or as you know when we did started doing the humanitarian part the outer island they picked was that island oh. to go do and i just had some incredible experiences on that island i was in my last six months the language was flowing really well for me um and we just had some incredible experiences on that island. So to be able to to get there with the humanitarian trip was just 
mm. amazing. So, how the Lord anyway. just blesses the missionaries, those who sacrifice to serve a mission. But also, I I was thinking when you were in Hawaii, like who was more blessed? Were you more blessed, or were your friends more blessed, or it's like everybody was greatly blessed, including um, your was he the one that baptized Hans. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I yes. mean, his, his heart name? had been yeah, put to rest because he was able to connect with this person. I mean, you guys were truly just this, this, the, you know, the Lord's hands and just like so many people's instances. It's just remarkable. Mm-hmm. It made me too think of, we've got that Carl Block painting upstairs in our living room. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the one where Christ is lifting up the tent of, of the sick man and he's kind of the tucked back in there. Yeah. The pool of Bethesda. And I like you said, the Lord knows where all of his children are and Hans and others have been such stalwart instruments. The Lord loves them the same. He understands why they had to stray for church, you know, from church, especially the, you know, those, the early members the founders of the church, you see the same thing in early church history. Like Emma didn't go with the saints. She was tired. She'd lost everything. I just think here are some, the people that have helped to found your little island and you were a part of that. You were key players. And obviously the Lord just, <laughs> he just made marvelous, miraculous things happen for you. Well, as you said that a minute ago, the, the words that came to my mind was the eye of the shepherd is upon them. He knows, he knows where they are. He, yeah. They haven't, yeah. they haven't strayed so far that he yeah. can't find them. And uh, what a what an amazing experience that! Thank you for sharing that with us. So it's kind of crazy that Boy. you know you probably thought we were going to tell some amazing story in Chuuk, but it ends up not even yeah. no. being there. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the way. All so, in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we've titled it the Miracle in Hawaii. That's our uh, kind of our title of our little story that we. But. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm glad we had this opportunity to share it because our kids get tired of hearing it. We love to tell people, <laughs> but Adam's now it's Adam's recorded. I feel like eyes. this needs to be a oh, movie, Dad, <laughs> but now it's it's recorded for our posterity, and um, hopefully, you know, it might touch someone in some way. But well, we you've just got, felt really blessed to be able to. You've got four grandkids it. that haven't heard it yet, right? Or haven't appreciated it <laughs> right, yet, right? Right. <laughs> Well, that's probably enough from us. Thank you guys. No, this was so fun, you guys. This was so cool. Yeah, we're thank you so much for sharing the stories yeah, with welcome. us, and it's Thanks just amazing. Thanks for being a captive audience. Oh, I can <laughs> listen on. The, I'm just like I don't know. I'm a sucker for stories. Yeah, me too. <laughs>